Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Crazy Rich Asians in today's review episode. I can show you the world. Just take a look through my eyes. A lot of hype uh, surrounding this movie. Um, from you know the cast to how just it broke the mold really that had existed for so long in Hollywood regarding rom-coms and things like that. Uh, you know you've got comparisons to things like The Big Sick uh, and and other more recent rom-coms that have uh, spread out a little beyond just typical white couples, and that's a great thing. That is such a it's a great thing that we've had had these movies and you know I I think the key takeaway on that side of things is that Crazy Rich Asians, The Big Sick, whatever movie you want to add to that group can't just be looked at in a way where you're thinking okay, we checked it off, you know, this has to be the start. This has to be, you know, we're going up the incline of the roller coaster and we need more. We need more of these movies. We need more of these movies with non-white casts with Asian casts, European casts, African casts, Australian casts, go on, go on, and so forth and so forth. And, you know, I, I hope that's what happens. I do. I think there are so many talented performers, so many talented actors out there that aren't white, and they don't really get nearly as many opportunities to showcase their talents as the average white actor does. And that's a shame. That's a real shame. So Crazy Rich Asians uh, is, you know, I was pretty excited for it. I wasn't over the moon for it. And I don't, I wasn't aware of the source material. I, I didn't really know much about the, the plot beyond rich boyfriend introduces not rich girlfriend to his, his family and they are less than pleased. I mean, that's a very standard plot of a lot of movies that have existed, but it's a movie that really shows the difference between cultures uh, that exist in the United States, that exist in Singapore, that exist between um, Americans and Chinese people and Chinese Americans, and, and it, it's it's not, you know, it, it's. It's a dynamic that is often stereotyped, and this movie, while not saying that the stereotype is necessarily wrong, also says that there's more to it than that. There's, it's, it's far more layered, far, more, far, far deeper than just this sort of surface level uh, um, the surface level you know, situation that I think a lot of people ascribe to um, Chinese people and, and Asians overall. And, and that's a good thing. It's great that this movie is able to take those preconceptions and expand upon them and show that there's more than just that going on. There's a lot more than just that going on. And a lot of, and one of the ways that Crazy Rich Asians is able to do that is 
that it doesn't just focus on the Constance Wu character. She is obviously the most important character and the lead in this movie. She spends most of the time on the screen, but there are a lot, a lot of dynamics happening in this movie. You have her and her boyfriend, you have her and her boyfriend's mom, you have her and her boyfriend's grandmother to start. You also have um, the sister, her, her boyfriend's sister, her relationship with Constance Wu, her relationship with her husband, uh, you have the other, uh, the brother, the two, or the two brothers. Um, one being the one getting married, and hence the reason for traveling to Singapore. And uh, another brother who's already married, and has his own thing going on. And you have the dynamics there. You have uh, the relationship between Constance Wu and Aquafina, who is her friend who lives in Singapore already. You have the relationship between uh, Constance Wu and I think her name's Angela, who is an ex of her current boyfriend. And so, you know, there's a lot of different dynamics here happening, and not all of them have to do with Constance Wu, uh, with Rachel. You know, she is pivotal and the focal point of the film, but the film takes a, takes a breath, stretches, and lets you into the world of a couple of other characters independent of her. And I think... From a film directorial standpoint, from an editing standpoint, uh, these side situations, these side relationships are either not given enough time to fully flesh out uh, or don't, uh, or just kind of pull you out of the main story. So from a story standpoint, I don't know that those were, the, those were handled in the best way, but from a cultural standpoint, I really appreciated having those uh, moments there, you know, um, particularly Gemma Chan's, uh, who plays um, the sister. I, I really appreciated getting to see her side of things and the way that she interacts with the rest of the family and how she handles her marriage and how it's, you know, it's different for everybody and everyone has to approach things and, and understand them in their own specific way. But the key part of this movie is the dynamic between Constance Wu and Michelle Yeoh. Uh, Michelle Yeoh, who plays the mother, is the, you know, not the matriarch of the family. That's the grandmother. She is still uh, the matriarch. But Michelle Yeoh is the far, the far more visible arm of the family that is disapproving and, and not altogether pleased when uh, Nick Young brings back um, is it Nick Young? I don't remember I think it's I think it's Nick Young sounds right in my head yeah, Nick Young um, when he brings back Rachel and she is not you know of money, she is uh, has a less than you know um, spotless past, and that is threatening. That is dangerous uh, in the eyes of Michelle Yeoh and and her family, and it's it's real frustrating uh, to to have that dynamic you know we've seen this dynamic many times mother doesn't approve of the girlfriend 
this is, you know, plays out the same way it always does. And it kind of does. You know, it's, it's antagonistic. Um, eventually, there's a sort of respect that kind of blossoms between the two of them for one reason or another. And then uh, the inevitable, you know, sort of um, finale where, where things kind of reach a, reach, a, reach a peak. And what I like about this movie and what elevates it above a lot of the tropes, a lot of the standard things that, I th- that a lot of rom-coms have done is that uh, it has a lot of fantastic moments in it where the writing is just perfect, uh, the performances are great, and the message being conveyed is far more personal and far more uh, emotional than you would normally get. There's a particular scene that I I thought was fantastic, uh, beautifully edited, where uh, Nick and Rachel are both separated. They're on the bachelor and bachelorette parties, uh, respectively. And Nick is discussing with um, the uh, groom, uh, whose name I, uh, is Colin. So, so Nick is discussing with Colin um, his plans for the future and his relationship with Rachel. And you get this, you know, it's this really deep, heartfelt moment. It's really the best moment for Colin in the whole movie and Nick, I would say, as well where uh, they kind of discuss, you know, look, they come from a lot of money. There is a particular image that they are associated with. And more than just is Rachel up for being a part of that family, but is she kind of going to be okay with how the, how being with Nick and, and that knowledge being public, is that going to uh, affect her life and how, how is she going to handle the changes that are going to happen to her when she gets all this more attention, when she has to handle all these questions and, and people pro- poking and prodding her. And, you know, it's this great conversation. I, I think it's really well well done, really well performed. And it's juxtaposed uh, and cut it throughout the a similar conversation that Rachel is having uh, with Amanda, Amanda, what did I say before? I didn't say Amanda. Amanda is the ex-girlfriend. So she doesn't know this at the start of this conversation, but the two of them are at the bachelorette party. They're, you know, getting massages and they're having this conversation about, you know, Nick and and being with him and like getting to know the family and what that's been like and and so on. Um, It kind of goes in the, you know, the Nick and, and Colin conversation kind of ends on this, well, you know, what do, how do I, you know, make the right decision? Whereas the Rachel-Amanda conversation ends on a, a very different note of, of, you know, have I made the wrong decision? And that is a fascinating uh, juxtaposition between these two, two scenes. I think that um, the two of them, the two moments really play well together they uh are are, they feel like they don't belong in a general generic rom-com and yet they fit very perfectly in this movie uh you know the you know subsequently you know you have this beautiful moment between rachel and astrid played by gamma chan uh 
also at the bachelorette party where they kind of connect, and I, I really appreciated that. I thought that was great. Um, and so you you end up with a lot of these moments throughout this movie where things just get a little more heartfelt. Things just get a little more connected. And uh, I think that's, you know, I think that's the mark of, you know, elevation and, and pushing your movie a little bit above uh, where it otherwise would have fallen. I thought Aquafina was great in this movie. She was fine in Ocean's 8 earlier this year, but I really liked her in this. Um, she was insane. <laughs> uh, she is kind of like the Tiffany Haddish of the year from Girls Trip, although I, I think Aquafina was far better in this than Haddish was in Girls Trip. Um, I think she... You know, most of the movie Aquafina spends just kind of being ornery and uh, absurd to the, to a degree. But other than that, I think she she has these couple moments towards the end of the movie where she gets to like let let down that awkward, strange, weird barrier and really just be a you know be a fully fledged person. And I, I like that. I appreciate that. And I don't know. It's just it's it's a very funny movie. Uh, you have Ken Jeong and uh, his he he plays Aquafina's father, and that whole family dynamic is is very odd. Uh, you know, he I, I thought Ken Jeong was great in this. Um, there's a montage of trying on clothes where he was very funny. Uh, I didn't like uh, the brother of Aquafina's character. Um, he just kind of. It was really weird. I wasn't a fan of it. I think it was really, really out of place and creepy in a bad way. Yeah. Um, but all said, all said, I, I really enjoyed the movie. I thought it was fun. I thought it was uh, it was very funny. And uh, you get a great, great leading performance from Constance Wu, who hopefully will be able to, you know, move into bigger and better projects and, and things coming in the future. I've seen some of her stuff, some of the episodes of Fresh Off the Boat, and she's great in that too. So uh, this was, you know, not really a big surprise seeing her really performing so well. Uh, outside of the characters, outside of the performers, the movie is is beautiful. The wedding is incredible you know like you spend all this time in this movie talking up how rich these people are and then what they spent on the wedding and how many tens of millions of dollars and man you know they had they really had a lot to live up to and uh when the ceremony started and they do it, it was like nothing i'd ever seen before it was incredible uh, there's a scene early in the movie before we even go to Singapore where, uh, which is kind of like a text chain in a sense that I thought was beautifully depicted. I loved the colors that they used and, and the sort of sweeping paintbrush quality of everything that was involved in that moment. I thought that was a really stylistic choice that, that worked and, uh, it was just fun and vibrant and bright, uh, which kind of counterbalances against the nefarious sort of uh, 
underworld-esque style of, of the text chain itself, which was interesting. Um, and, and then what really pushed the movie over the top and, and made it as good as I think it is, is the endings. Um, I say endings because, you know, there's a lot of different threads that the movie ties up in the last three or four scenes. And each one, I thought, was great in its own way. And I won't go into any of the specifics uh, about what happens or, or what causes them to be so rewarding. But just in general, you know, I think it takes these standard tropes of, you know, you have the couple reconciling at the end of this long experience about what's happening. I liked that scene. Uh, you have the confrontation uh, with the main quote-unquote antagonist of the film, which is Michelle Yeoh, and I thought that scene was really great. You have uh, the very, very final sort of redemption moment of the movie, and I thought um, as typical as that starts out, I thought the 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 penalt the, the, the climax of that moment um, was done better than any other movie I'd seen. Uh, that has has a scene like that. If if this kind of makes sense, I don't know if it does. It might be a little too vague, but all in all, I thought the, the movie does everything well and does some things really really well, and so that ultimately moved up the score for me. Uh, I was thinking as I was watching the movie halfway, three quarters of the way through it. You know, this is like a sixty something, a little sixties, and then. As the endings kind of rolled through, I, you know, was like, you know, hey, look, this is a two-hour movie. It didn't feel that way. Uh, and, you know, these endings hitting me one after another and, and really bringing home a lot of the resonant points of the film, uh, I, I bumped it up to a low 70s score. I thought it was really strong. And, uh, you know, I would put it in the same ballpark as my Big Fat Greek Wedding. I think uh, both films show you a side of a culture that many of us aren't familiar with and maybe we think we know what we were getting into and it's more than that and i i think that's a good thing and, and something that we need and and is helpful so i'm really appreciative that i got to see the movie and it was good and uh, that a lot of people are going to get to see it you know it's going to make a, a solid amount of money this weekend. Hopefully it will do well going forward from there. Uh, and I do encourage uh, you to see it if... Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's it's good. I, I think you should check it out if you haven't. Uh, and it, it's worth a look. It is certainly... Um, you know, I, I you go into a movie that has an all... Or, or mostly non-white cast like this, like a Black Panther. And, you know, uh, you kind of expect, yeah, there's going to be a lot of faces and names in here that I'm not super familiar with because they're just not in a lot of movies in Hollywood because of the way the system works. But to that credit, like, I recognize Constance Wu, Michelle Yeoh, Gamma Chan, uh, Aquafina. Uh, you have Harry Shum Jr., who plays Charlie. Uh, and he is from Glee. You have Ken Jeong from the Hangover movies. Uh, you have, um, I don't remember his character's name or his person's name, but the 
Asian guy from um, Silicon Valley has a role in this. And, you know, so, like, all of a sudden, you know, half the cast is very recognizable. And, like, that's great. And, and these are people who have had various amounts of success in the industry at previous points, a lot of them in TV. And now they're really getting a chance to uh, be more than that. And, and get into a big Hollywood movie, and, and that's awesome, and that's great. I love that. I think that's amazing. So, yeah, Crazy Rich Asians. I'm big thumbs up on Crazy Rich Asians. Really a big fan, and uh, I hope more people go down. I hope more people go out and see it because I think it's worth it. Um, it's not. I, I mentioned the Big Sick. I think the Big Sick was one of the best movies of last year. And this is certainly not of that caliber, in my opinion. But it is definitely worthy of going to see. And uh, I think you'll get a lot out of it if you do go see it. So, uh, that being said, um, thank you for listening to today's episode. Uh, Looking ahead to the future and what the future holds uh, for next week and the episodes we've got coming. I'm looking it up right now. Um, hopefully, uh, hopefully this weekend I will be able to finally see Black Klansman uh, and get an episode for that out. Um, I am about I'm a little under halfway through uh, the movie JFK from 1991, and what a cast this movie has. Uh, there's a good chance I will do a statistics episode on JFK for next week. And uh, the last thing, uh, hopefully, if, if time can be found, is uh, doing an episode on The Meg with Meg, uh, who we, I did an episode with earlier in the summer on her top 10 movies. And so we'll see what she thinks about her, bio, her biopic. <laughs> and um, I don't know. Is, is it a good or a bad giant shark movie or is such a thing possible so those are the episodes i'm expecting to do for next week and uh, that's where things stand right now so uh thank you for listening to today's episode if you would like to check out more episodes you can find them where podcasts can be found most places at least or you can head over to circleoffilm.com to find those episodes as well as a lot of other things including uh, top 10 actor lists, um, Circle of Film Award winning winners and nominations. Uh, you can check out the 2012 award nominations right now. Uh, that episode won't be out until November. You can uh, get in touch with me uh, through Twitter, at Circle of Film, or through email, circleoffilm at gmail.com. I will always take... Uh, top 100 or more lists uh, or just requests to watch a movie at talk about a movie anything you want to talk about I'm up for it and if you would like to support the show you can do so for as little as eight cents an episode I am brainstorming working somehow trying to figure out a way uh, figure out what what behind the scenes content would look like and uh might be able to to incorporate and introduce some of that to the Patreon in the near future. So 
I will keep you posted on that. Thank you again for listening to today's episode. And as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same goodnight. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades from Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So long.